Welcome to a new episode of the Tennis Scotland podcast. Each month we talk about our latest long read on an important and compelling aspect of Scottish education. This time, senior reporter Emma Seath tells us about her new piece on free school meals. So Emma, let's just launch straight into it. Um, firstly, could you set out the policy position a little? Where are we with free school meals just now in Scotland? Well, I mean, uh, the latest uh, cohort of kids to come online with the free school meals uh, policy has been kind of rolling out over a number of years with the uh, different year groups being, you know, sort of gradually added. So we're up to primary five. So that means that now the first five years of, um, for the first five years of primary school, all children are entitled to a free school meal. And that was extended to children in primary five as of January this year. And as of August, so the beginning of the new school year uh, in August uh, 2022, the policy was also supposed to be being extended to P6 and P7 pupils. But we found out towards the end of last year that that was not going to be happening. And all we know um, now is that the government intends that there will be universal free school meals in primary school by the end of the current parliament, which is due to end in 2026. Um, so that's that's the position at the moment. Yeah, that's right. So that could, yeah, so it could potentially be pushed back quite a bit from the, the original target of August this year. And more generally, how have things changed with school food in Scotland in recent decades? Um, I know you spoke to one person who gave a very vivid account of uh, just how different the approach is now compared to a quarter of a century ago. Yeah, it was something that I could completely relate to. And I'm sure you're the same because... That would have been roughly around about the time that I was in high school. So that was, you're referring there to Nikki Joyner. She is the catering coordinator um, for East Renfrewshire. And she started off uh, her career 25 years ago working in um, Scottish uh, secondary school canteens. And she was basically saying that a big part of the job back then was um, frying chips. And I didn't (laughs) always take a school dinner, but if I took a school dinner, my school dinner was um, chips and cheese. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't think that you get away with that these days. I'm guessing as well, you don't get the pink custard that I had when I was at primary school in the 1980s. And goodness knows what the core ingredients were of that monstrosity. (laughs) I remember my mum being absolutely horrified because my brother came home from primary school, the early years of primary school asking her to make pink custard. (laughs) Yellow custard just wasn't good enough any longer. But yeah, so I I think that things have moved on tremendously since then. And most people who you would speak to would tell you that that happened with Hungry for Success, which came in in the early 2000s and was an overhaul of not just the nutritional requirements for school meals, but it was also about, you know, sort of trying to improve the dining environment for for young people so it was trying to look at it you know sort of from all angles really um and and that was you know it was reasonably you know sort of um progressive you know given that it was a couple of years before Jamie Oliver like launched his crusade to you know improve improve what children were eating in school so 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 I guess that's the background and since then there have been new nutritional requirements and these have been updated you know sort of sporadically across the sort of intervening um years um, and the the latest you know sort of change to that was in April 2021 when um, again more stricter requirements were brought in and that was really about reducing red meat and pro- and processed meat. So those already from Scottish schools, you know, there, there are tough regulations in terms of what can be served along the lines of home baking. You know, Nikki Joyner would tell you that. It used to be that um, school kitchens made quite a lot of money from selling things like home mm-hmm. baking 
and also from tuck shops and you'd had all your fizzy drinks, all your chocolate bars, crisps, sweets, all of that really, or to a large extent, that has gone, that's disappeared now. Um, and so when the, the new rules were brought in last year, it was really about reducing processed meat and red meat. So that then meant that things like, you know, a secondary school maybe that served kids sausage rolls and bacon rolls in the morning, uh, there might be a way that they can, you know, it depends how they decide to organise things, but to a large extent, they'll not really be able to do that any mm-hmm. longer. Um, so so that was that was the latest change. That was expected mm-hmm. to result in uh, a 20% drop-off and uptake, you know, so they kind of realised that mm-hmm. as they bring in stricter nutritional requirements, the, 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 the consequence of that is actually quite likely to be a drop off mm. in the number of kids who are actually taking, you know, sort of school food. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting about your piece is it's, you know, this change is not just about getting rid of less healthy food and replacing them with more healthy food. It's also about changing the culture around food. What might that mean in a school and practice, just as an example? Well, I mean, this is something that Obesity Action Scotland were talking to me about. Um, Lorraine Tullock is the programme lead for Obesity Action Scotland. And, you know, she, she sort of talks about, you know, sort of instead of a um, a school uh, feeding culture, a school eating culture, you know, so I, I suppose it's about things like Nikki Joyner, um, who the catering coordinator for East Renfrewshire, she also, you know, sort of talks about that, just trying to make the environment that the kids are eating in pleasant, you know, like someplace that they actually, that they want to go. Her big hat, her big thing, Nikki Joyner's big thing is, never to see a child beside a bin. <laughs> you know, just trying to kind of, you know, sort of look at it from the kid's perspective and understand, well, is that some place that you would want to go to eat? Is that an environment yeah. that you would, you know, sort of find pleasant mm-hmm. to sit down and spend some time in? Mm-hmm. But but spending time is also, you know, sort of another aspect of it, you know. So are the queues really long so that the kids don't get seated for ages and then they have to bolt their food so they don't get a chance to talk to their friends or they're delayed going out to playtime? All of these, you know, sort of all these different aspects, you know, how long is the break itself? You know, these have been cut back in recent years. All these different aspects, you know, they really all feed into whether or not, no pun intended, whether or not children opt for um, a a school dinner at the end of the day, or if they just want to come in with their packed lunch, bolt it down and get outside and play. Hmm. And going back to the the free school meals policy itself, it's been around for actually quite a while now. um, Started with the, the youngest pupils in January 2015, and as you say, has been gradually added to, and we're now up to the P1 to P5, the first five years, and, and possibly P6s and P7s to follow at some point. What do we know about the impact this has had so far? Well, I mean, I think it's always so easy, isn't it, to kind of concentrate on where the policy has fallen down and things like that. Mm. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's especially the kind of circumstances that schools are operating in just now. You know, you're seeing a lot of head teachers south of the border calling for universal free school meals and they want that because they see the pressure that their families are under but they feel that they have very little ability to help them because their budgets are also under a tremendous amount of pressure you know so so the policy just now and at the present time when you know sort of the cost of living crisis is having this horrendous impact on families it really is a policy that, you know, it's, it's, it's a, the perfect moment for it. And the government's mm. estimates are that it's, you know, sort of saving approximately £400 per year per child for families. Mm. So clearly that's a huge benefit. Um, 
you know, and, and you know, and and heads really, you know, sort of do welcome it. Um, the Scottish head teachers basically are saying that they like that they they support the policy because the cutoff points for free school meals means that you know, obviously, wherever you have a cutoff point, there's somebody who just misses out, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. those families who would just have missed out on it are now actually able to benefit. And and that's a real relief to head teachers, essentially, because, you know, they think that the, these kind of just managing families, the weight that it takes off of their mind, off their parents' minds, just to know that their children, that bit of the day, that, that meal is, um, you know, is, is provided. They don't have to worry about it. But we've actually had recent figures, though, showing that only of those P1 to P5s uh, across the whole of Scotland, only 68% or so are taking up the free meal that they're entitled to. What do we know about why that might be? Why it's just over two thirds are actually taking this this free meal? Yeah, well, when you and I sort of saw those figures when they were published back in September, I found that really quite shocking, you know, understanding mm. the circumstances that families are facing just now. Why mm. would it be that, you know, sort of just over two thirds are actually taking this up? So um, when we put that to the government, at that time, they came back and they said that they thought that, you know, there would be a certain amount of um, hangover from COVID, essentially, you know, so, and and that's also what Nikki Joyner was talking about. Um, she was saying that some local authorities um, during the pandemic, they opted to stop serving hot meals in dining halls. And instead, they started to serve packed lunches in classrooms. Now, the logic for that was, um, you know, it's pretty clear it's to do with, you know, sort of minimising mixing. But essentially, the upshot was that um, children stopped children stopped taking a school dinner because they weren't enjoying the sort of packed lunch replacement. Mm-hmm. So she was saying that some for some authorities, that was absolutely disastrous because the uptake of school meals just went, you know, sort of through the floor. So there's that then, um, but it's not just that. The, mentioned earlier, there's these new nutritional guidelines that came in um, and that was expected to cause a 20% drop off in uptake. So that's something else to um, factor in. And then we we can't, you know, sort of rule out the possibility that children are not opting, are, are deciding that they don't want to take up the free school meal because they don't like what they're being served. You know, so caterers um, are are saying, are telling us that the government's not funding the policy properly. So at the moment, the government pays roughly £3.33 per meal to local authorities to provide free school meals. Um, But, you know, in East Renfrewshire, for instance, the true cost is closer to £3.80. But in more rural authorities, you know, where you've got, you know, sort of... um, a, a, a more widely, the population is uh, spread over a larger, you know, sort of area. They're, they're reckoning that the cost of the, the policy is over four pounds. So, you know, when you're looking at um, council, you know, so councils essentially are subsidising the government's free school meals mm-hmm. policy, but now their budgets are being squeezed. So mm-hmm. it, it, it basically means that it is likely that things like portion size, quality, choice, all of these things are going to take a hit and that's not going to improve your uptake. And what are some of the other challenges in rolling out the policy across Scotland? I mean, we've got quite a um, distinct geography of schools, if you like, where 
uh, we have very big urban schools, but there are a lot of uh, rural small schools that maybe don't have a proper canteen. Um, you know, just getting supplies to certain places is is quite tricky at times logistically. I mean, what what are some of the issues you've you've seen? Yeah, so I guess we're saying that uptake isn't maybe where you you would ideally have wanted it to be, mm. but um, that's not to say that the number of children taking a free school meal isn't growing. It's just not maybe mm. as uh, growing as as fast as you would maybe um, like mm. or you would maybe predict. You know, so. Um, so, so yeah, so, so I mean, so essentially in terms of that growing number of young people taking a free school meal, that's increased by 20% between um, February 2020 and February of this year. So we were being told that it's, or it's even things like having enough space just to store the plates, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for that mm-hmm. increased number of children, you know, sort of taking a school meal. So in primary school, children stay in to have their lunch. So you're still seating the same number of children but the problem comes with more of them taking a, you know, a school dinner as opposed to bringing a packed lunch with them. So that's got implications for things like, the size, as you say, the size of your kitchen, your storage space. It's got implications for queuing. Um, that starts to become more of an issue. Um, you know, so one of the ways to get around that, both the head, primary head teachers that we spoke to, they got around that by having a staggered lunch break. Um, East Renfrewshire Council, um, it does a restaurant style service for its P1s to 3s. So that means that they they come in, they sit down at their table and they are served their meal. And that kind of cuts down on queuing, but also cuts down on the number of like P1 to 3 children wobbling and, you know, sort of you know, navigating their way from, you know, sort of the where they're served their dinner back to their seat and all the spillages and things like that that happen, you know, sort of in, in, that, in that space of time, you know, where they kind of managed to kind of get back to their seat with their tray, um, so th- which also obviously costs time and staff effort and things. So that's how, that's how they kind of try to, you know, sort of get around the problems that have come up because of um, more children, you know, taking a school meal. And there's been some innovation recently, hasn't there, in terms of getting meals to harder to reach schools? That we wrote about. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I think you wrote that original story, didn't mm-hmm. you? But that was essentially mm-hmm. about um, Argyle and Butte Council using mm-hmm. drones to take um, school meals to, you know, sort of small rural schools where you maybe only have a few children, mm-hmm. you know, and so to have somebody based in that school responsible for, you know, sort of making and then serving school Mm -hmm. dinners, obviously there's a big cost attached to that. So Mm -hmm. they were experimenting with, you know, sort of having their school meal take off from an airport (laughs) and, you know, and and sort of essentially deliver, you know, sort of fly the school dinner, you know, sort of to to the (laughs) school. I mean, and, you know, and for a local authority like East Renfrewshire, you can easily see why, you know, the the challenges are not as great when it comes to um the actual you know sort of getting the school meals out because they have different schools within close proximity to each other so it means you can be doing your cooking in one school and if the kitchen's too small in another school then it can have the meals transported in but that starts to become less and less possible if you've got big distances between schools or schools mm-hmm. that are kind of out on a limb where it would take you you know sort of one and a half hours to drive there or something you know so authorities have to you know have been really innovative in what they're doing but you know the money only goes so far mm-hmm. and you've touched on this already but uh, could you tell us a bit about the impact that covid has had on the whole process of providing school meals to, to children in scotland 
Well, I mean, yeah, so the, the, there's this uh, sense that there's going to have to be or that there is a, a, a period of recovery taking place for some authorities where they maybe moved over to that, you know, sort of packed lunch and moved away from serving, you know, sort of a hot meal. So they're having to kind of recover their numbers from that and start to kind of, you know, lure <laughs> the children back in again to start to sort of take a hot dinner. Um, there's also the sense that there have been some positives and that, you know, you've got the staggered lunches, you know, so one of the primary schools that we talked to, they've always done their school dinners like that, or they've done them like that for a long time pre-COVID. But another one of the schools that we talked to, they introduced staggered lunches because of the pandemic and they've retained them because it makes sense because they, they aren't, the kids are, the queues are shorter and the head teacher also liked the fact that she wasn't chasing kids out the dining hall to make room for the next lot of children so they could actually socialise, they could take their time. I did hear, though, about a secondary school that had gone to staggered lunches and uptake of school meals rose really significantly, but then they abandoned it when the restrictions, you know, sort of were mm. no longer in place, you know, so you kind of see that there's maybe a bit of that mixed picture that, not all of these things that we think were maybe, you know, some positives um, to come out of the pandemic, not all of them have necessarily been retained. And doubtless schools have their reasons for deciding, you know, to abandon these things. But um, that issue of the length of the lunchtime and the rollout of free school meals, it, it obviously does make things a lot more challenging for schools to be mm -hmm. able to, you know, sort of get all of their children through the dining hall in the time they have. So we've had COVID and now we've got another coming storm with uh, uh, the budget setting process for local authorities early next year, which is, which is going to be tough, I think, uh, throughout the country. What, looking ahead to the next few years, what sort of impact do you expect that to have on school meals and, and food? It is, it, I mean, I was just at the School Leaders Scotland conference last week and um, there was a director of education taking part in a panel discussion. And I think her language is essentially the the budget cuts coming are going to be dire, you know. So there are just these really stark warnings. We're starting to see the early signs of it. Um, I think that you did a piece writing about East Renfrewshire Council and some of the budget cuts that that particular authority is considering, you know, school meals feature in that. Um, but when you're looking at things like shortening the school day in order to save money, it's it's pretty obvious that school food is if you're looking at things like that, um, the school food is also, you know, gonna take a hit. And I guess that you're just left with this sense that there's this really amazing opportunity. Obviously, Scotland is, you know, sort of notoriously unhealthy <laughs> and it seems like there has the, there's this amazing opportunity that we have with the rollout of universal free school meals to really influence the eating habits and the diet of Scottish children especially as well if you think about there's also free lunches as part of the 1400 hours rollout in nursery schools you know so children you know as young as three they're eating you know, sort of at nursery. So that there's an opportunity to sort of inf start influencing what they're eating at a very young age. But given the current climate, are we really going to be able to make as much as we could of that mm. opportunity? You know, where is there going to be enough slack in the system for canteen staff to get to know children, to engage with them, to encourage, to try get, to encourage them to try different things? It really doesn't feel like that's going to be the mm. case. And so whilst it's, 
you know, it feels like a really, it's a great policy on the surface. It, it obviously also has an awful lot to do with the quality of the food that you're serving mm-hmm. um, and the choice that you're giving to pupils. And it feels just now like those things are going to take a hit, mm-hmm. just like everything else is going to take a hit. Absolutely. Well, thanks, then. I'll be Thank absolutely fascinated to see. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's not too much getting away from that just now, given a lot of the stuff we've heard recently. But um, but thanks. It's been really fascinating to see, uh, to, to hear, hear about your piece and, you know, we'll be keeping a close watch on if and when free school meals finally do become available to all primary, all primary pupils in the, the coming years and if there's maybe even any chance of being extended to secondary schools, as, as a lot of people would like. And just to see, um, you know, if we could, after so much progress in recent years, if we can sort of stay true to that that cause of, of just a better better food and a better eating experience in schools. So um, you can read the full piece at tez.com forward slash magazine. And remember to subscribe to the Tez Scotland podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. And we'll have a new episode soon. So we'll see you then. <laughs>